0: cows
1: animatronics
0: samples
1: welcome to knickknack news i'm anthony
0: and i'm alex and my first story is animal news this is from time.com Cows and bulls searching for love now have a mobile app to help their breeders.
1: (laughs) Farmersonly.com.
0: No, it's not that one. It's a new one. A UK farming startup called Hectare introduced a Tinder-style app called Tutter that lets farmers find breeding matches by viewing pictures of cattle with details of their age, location, and owner users hear a mooing sound as they swipe
1: (laughs) right to show they're
0: interested and left to reject possible matches. Hector says it seeks to unite sheepish farm animals with their soulmates. Farmers that swipe right on an image of a particular cow or group of cows are directed to Hector's livestock buying website with a chance to contact the owner or make an offer. The listing website includes information on the animal's character and any health issues. Marcus Lampard, a farmer in... I'm going to butcher this. Carmarthenshire in Southwest Wales. Whoa. (laughs) Carmarthenshire?
1: Carmarthenshire?
0: Carmarthenshire?
1: I think they say like shire over there. Yeah, it's not like shire.
0: shire. It's not pronounced shire, right? Right. It's shire. Yeah. Carmarthenshire?
1: Only Lord of the Rings fans say shire. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Which I am, so I don't figure that out. Uh, Southern Wales um, has one pedigree beef shorthorn breeding bull listed on the app and says it's a lot easier to sell livestock online as opposed to like Mm in-person markets um and he says going to market is a nuisance if i go to an open market with a bull and then maybe bring it back it shuts everything down in the farm for at least two weeks so it's like this huge effort to like actually physically bring the animals to like a place to sell them so um the online method is a lot easier And according to this article, about a third of UK farms use hectare's platforms to trade livestock and cereals, like plant crops and stuff online. So they've now added, they had the website before, but now they added this app, basically, that is based
1: off of Tinder. The website sounds like a good idea. I don't know. I don't know about this app. You don't know about the app? How would a cow even swipe? Yeah, I don't know. Like, they have hooves. Like, does the phone... I don't think that would conduct heat enough to, like, actually register a swipe. Right, right. These are things you got to think about when you're I making when, when you're you making make, dating apps. It's... When you
0: make an app, you got to think of the users. Like the cows mm-hmm. can't use a phone, right? What were they thinking?
1: I don't know. I guess you just hold it up in front of them and you swipe for them. But I don't know how you gauge a cow's and interest. And
0: does the moo that it plays actually mean anything to the cow? Have they conducted user testing?
1: I have no idea. I, I doubt, don't know either. I, I'm, I mean, if their users are cows, I doubt they have.
0: It's <laughs> <That's> too bad. <laughs>
1: My first story is dinosaur news.
0: Yay, more animal stuff.
1: Yes. I found this on Mental Floss. Uh, the Bronx Zoo is launching a dinosaur safari with life sized animatronics.
0: Whoa, that's so cool.
1: I kind of want to go to this. <laughs> I want to go to that. Uh, This summer, the New York City Institution is opening an attraction featuring recreations of dinosaurs. Recreations? Yeah, probably recreations. Uh, The safari will let guests get up close and personal with life-sized dinosaur animatronics. Uh, Forty realistic dinosaurs have been installed in the zoo with featured species including the iconic Tyrannosaurus rex, a plant-eating Omasaurus, I've never heard of that one, Mm. and the massive Spinosaurus, And a paleontologist at the American Museum of Natural History worked with the Bronx Zoo to make the look, movements, and sounds of the dinosaur models as close to scientifically accurate as possible. Uh, During the safari, guests will ride through a two-acre wooded section of the zoo, with a field guide educating them on the real evolutionary adaptations of dinosaurs and where they can be seen in the animal kingdom kingdom today. And... The Dinosaur Safari opens at the Bronx Zoo on April 19th, but also closes November 3rd of this year. So it's not really oh, there for that long. And also, yeah. where are they, what are they going to do with the dinosaurs when they're done?
0: Put them into a natural history museum?
1: Set them free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Set them to roam in, the, uh, in Central Park.
1: <laughs> have you been to the Bronx Zoo? I have not. I, I went when I was younger. It's enormous. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's really, it's a really big zoo. And it's got like, cool. Every, we tried to go to the, we went there. That was the only thing we did that day in New York. Is just went to that zoo oh, and wow. we didn't even hit every exhibit.
0: Wow. Like
1: we were there all day.
0: That sounds really fun.
1: It was really fun, and I love um, zoos, and I kind of want to go to this. Yeah, I
0: like zoos, too. I was going to say, uh, a few years ago, Cleveland Zoo did something similar to this. Like they yeah, They had animatronic they dinosaurs, but I don't think it was 40 of them. I don't I think, think it, it was, was 40,
1: and I don't think it was in, like, a wooded area. I don't
0: know. No, yeah, it wasn't, like, a safari. It was maybe, like, 10 or something. I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe a little more than that, but they were just scattered around the normal area, so you would, like just be walking around the normal pathways and you'd maybe run into one and there'd be a little like plaque next to it kind oh, of thing. Okay. Yeah. I so didn't, it I didn't like, go
1: while that was happening, but I remember mm-hmm. it, it did happen. Yeah. So
0: at least that's what I remember from it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. so that was cool. But I, 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 w- I think this would be really fun if it was all in really, like one area and you're just, like driving through it. And
1: it's a very yeah. Jurassic Park kind of thing. Like yeah. Get it going on a tour and seeing them all. I love dinosaurs and zoos and that just sounds really cool. But
0: yeah, that does sound cool. I have
1: to figure out how to get to New York.
0: We'll just have to road trip to New York. Yeah. It's only like 10 hours or something.
1: It's, I'm, I think nine. it's nine. Yeah, it's not that bad. But something it's also, like I'm also like, I don't have any vacation days left.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's also a consideration. I've already booked a
1: yeah.
0: them. Just take unpaid leave. Come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's for the dinosaurs,
0: <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> okay, my next story is health news. This is from med.stanford.edu, and the headline is, Molecular Data Can Predict Breast Cancer Recurrence. This was a really cool story. So, molecular data obtained from breast cancer cells can be used to predict which patients are at a high risk for recurrence, even decades after their diagnosis, according to a new study jointly conducted by researchers at the Stanford University School of Medicine and the Cancer Research UK Cambridge Institute, as well as several other institutions. In particular, some patients whose tumors express the estrogen receptor, but not another one called HER2 or something. That's the one that like differs are at a persistent risk of relapse over time. And until now, there has been no way to identify those women among their peers. So like until now, they didn't really know like people that they treat them and then their cancer goes away. But some people like comes back right Right. later in life Mm -hmm. and they didn't know how to predict that or like tell why it came back for some people and not for other people, but this is like a clue towards that. They can actually look at this and predict that now.
1: That's wow. Which that's, is that's amazing. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, the study also identifies a subgroup of women with what are known as triple negative tumors whose cancers are unlikely to return after five years. The researchers also learned where and when in the body certain cancers are likely to metastasize. So like they looked at all these different like attributes and can predict all these things now that they couldn't really before. Um, wow. The findings provide researchers and clinicians with a powerful new tool, with which to predict a patient's prognosis and potentially direct clinical decision making.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you can literally predict the future of this cancer, I mean, yeah, that's, that's huge. So, like, for that's huge for this prognosis. kind of research.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it has such a huge impact because if you can tell someone, like, okay, we did these tests, and your cancer is very unlikely to recur you know that's like a huge like peace of mind thing for that person for sure and on the other side of it you can monitor that person more like, mm, you, like, know hey, you, like you know you need to keep an know, eye on it. yeah like okay well we found this and so the likelihood is higher for you so you need to come in and like do the get more monitoring done you know like sure. and they can differentiate those people so that's way better because you can catch things viable. early right <laughs> so i thought that's that was super cool that's really cool cancer research is really fascinating to read about and i like reporting on it
1: yeah yeah, it's even stuff like this, which sounds almost small, but it still is going to make like a huge difference for mm-hmm. like a lot of people.
0: Yeah, small steps.
1: My next story is Space News. Yos. Love space. Uh, this comes from the New York Post. Toyota is creating a moon car for Japan's space agency.
0: A moon car?
1: A moon car.
0: For space? On the moon? On the,
1: on the moon, yeah. <laughs> okay. the, the, it's not a car that looks like the moon. It's I a car that would be on to, the moon.
0: I just wanted to <laughs> clarify.
1: For space. Yes, Alex, for space.
0: <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. Okay, thank you. <laughs>
1: Toyota revealed plans for a moon rover in collaboration with the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency, also known as JAXA, on Tuesday. So it's Japan's NASA. Yeah. um, With a, I think, Think, arguably cooler acronym. I
0: think we talked about this once before. We talked about
1: JAXA before. JAXA. Yeah. Um, So manned, pressurized rovers will be an important element supporting human lunar exploration, which they envision will take place in the 2030s. They're actually hoping to launch like this rover that they're working on now in 2029. Ooh. So not that far away. Yeah, that's not too far away. 10 years. Um, Toyota and Jaxa have already been collaborating on the rover, which uses Toyota's fuel cell vehicle technologies and would have a cruising range of more than 6,000 miles wow. on the surface of the moon, despite limited amounts of fuel that they can bring there. So like, they have to keep that in mind. Like if you want it to go farther, you're going to need to bring more fuel up. Yeah. But, like with their fuel cells, it'll be able to go very far. Um, The fuel cells use clean power generation methods, emit only water, and have reduced amounts of harmful substances like normally found in such thing like batteries and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, According to Toyota, Um, and the proposed rover would be about the size. Well, they said about the size of two microbuses, but what does that mean? (laughs) What's a microbus? What's a (laughs) microbus? Then they gave the exact <laughs> dimensions, which were 19.6 feet long by 17 feet wide by 12.4 feet tall, which, like, why did you give an example of a nonsense car?
0: Uh, is that, like, like a shuttle bus it's gonna, kind of a it, thing? It, it looks kind of
1: like a sh- – they've got a picture of it I'll show you. Oh, okay. Or, like, a, a concept art. But it's a, it's a moon car.
0: That's cool. So I wonder, like, what well, it uses clean energy is so probably, like, solar – Oh, okay. So like it's yeah. An, so it it's reminds like an me of like a
1: vehicle that like they could drive around in.
0: Like a, like it's like a shuttle bus kind of size. Yeah. Probably.
1: Like it's about this, It's like two micro buses. <laughs> <laughs> is it like, is a bus a metric unit? Is a microbus a millionth of a bus?
0: <laughs> I think we should establish that <laughs> right now, for everyone to use in future uh Reporting, all news agencies.
1: Microbuses measure your measure your life in mic- microbuses. Any
0: vehicles should be measured in the microbus unit. It's going to start here. You heard it here it's first. Start here
1: and end here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, my next story is also space news.
1: Double space,
0: and it's also about the moon.
1: Uh, Double Moon.
0: (laughs) This is from (laughs) CNN, and the headline is "Untouched Moon Samples from the Apollo Missions Will Be Studied for the First Time."
1: Why didn't they look at them?
0: So I'll say (laughs) it it explains (laughs) it actually, but they kept them in storage on purpose because they knew that there would be more technology in the future or something. So they they actually kept. Well, okay, I'll I'll read about it. Yeah, sorry, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of ourselves there. After sitting untouched in storage for nearly 50 years, lunar samples collected during the Apollo 15, 16, and 17 missions will be studied for the first time, NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine announced on Monday. The announcement came during Bridenstine's discussion of the agency's Moon to Mars initiative and the 2020 budget. NASA selected nine teams to study the moon samples and awarded a total of $8 million for their research. So there was, like, through research grants, they, like, awarded certain teams to study these samples. Um, By studying these precious lunar samples for the first time, a new generation of scientists will help advance our understanding of lunar neighbor and of our lunar neighbor and prepare for the next era of exploration of the moon and beyond says Thomas Zurbuchen, Associate Administrator Great for Na- NASA's Science Mission Directorate. This exploration will bring with it new and unique samples into the best labs right here on Earth. The three samples from the final Apollo missions have never been exposed to our atmosphere. Six of the nine teams will study the Apollo 17 sample delivered to Earth in a vacuum-sealed drive tube that... Um, a couple of astronauts hammered into the lunar surface to collect a material core back in 1972. Oh. It's about 1. 1.8 pounds of rock layers as they were found on the moon. The sample has been in storage in NASA's Johnson Space Center since December of 1972. Wow! So they like got the sample, vacuum sealed it, brought it back to Earth, and it's never been opened.
1: Okay, so they were they were sealing these things, thinking in the future, hey, like we want to study these right with future tech.
0: Right, yeah, I guess. The other teams will study samples kept frozen or stored in helium from the final moon missions. The Apollo missions travel to the moon's equatorial region, so all the samples are from a similar area, but previous studies using data from orbit have revealed that the moon has complex geology, um, which may include rocks and minerals that are not in the Apollo samples. The samples were deliberately saved so we can take advantage of today's more advanced and sophisticated technology to answer questions we didn't know we needed to ask. Ooh. According to NASA, so
1: that's just some serious foresight that they like thought to seal some things yeah, away for a while.
0: That's true. Though I guess like, it m- makes sense
1: for somebody like NASA to to think that way, though. Knowing like, like what future we have, this stuff. Let's just happen.
0: save it for fifty years and see what happens. Yeah. I mean,
1: it's not <laughs> like you just want to like make a quick trip back up to the moon to grab right. some more, <laughs> right?
0: But I, I thought that was cool that one of the samples is like in this vacuum sealed environment that's never like been opened basically it's just completely and they
1: preserve like the layering of it too yeah that'll be Mm -hmm. really
0: cool i think it's gonna be really cool so we'll see what they find i don't know what really the impact is of like what the findings are (laughs) of this of like studying rocks from Uh, there yes this
1: moon is made of moon
0: (laughs) (laughs) these are similar moon rocks to other moon rocks (laughs) we have found like but that's why i'm not a space archaeologist (laughs) Space (laughs) Space geologist.
1: (laughs) I'm not a moon scientist. (laughs) Speaking of old things, my next story is science news, and this comes from Vice. Uh, Scientists reawaken cells from a 28,000 year old mammoth.
0: Whoa!
1: So don't get they haven't they haven't reanimated a mammoth yet. Um, Okay. And actually, uh, yet is. A strong word to use, to, because there's probably not a very good chance of that happening. Anyway, oh, really? I'll tell you what actually happened. Um, cells from a woolly mammoth that, di- that died more than 28,000 years ago have been partially reactivated inside of mouse egg cells, according to a study published Monday in Scientific Reports. Which is, again, a publication and not just, <laughs> yeah. not just not generically just generic scientific, scientific reports. reports. <laughs> it's a terrible name. Uh the achievement shows that biological activity can be induced in the cells of long dead creatures but that does not mean that scientists will be resurrecting extinct animals anytime soon. Um so so this was a team at uh, Kindai University in Japan that extracted cells from the remains of a young female mammoth named Yuka who was discovered in 2010 on the coast of the Dmitri uh, Laptev Strait in the Russian Far East. Uh, Yucca was entombed in permafrost, which is a frozen ground layer that can often keep the skin, fur, brains, and other softer tissues of dead animals intact, which we tend to lose in other preservation situations. Because yucca is in particularly great condition, the team was able to extract 88 nucleus-like structures from her preserved muscle tissues. Uh, The mammoth cells were then implanted into mouse uh, oocytes, oocytes, it's like the OO one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know that word. I never know how to pronounce it. Um, which are ovarian cells involved in embryonic development. The researchers also implanted elephant cells into mouse eggs to provide a control sample. Um, Once the cell nuclei were incubated, they seemed to reawaken only slightly. Um, The cells did not divide but completed some steps that precede cell division. So they did start to act. And there's actually a video of it. It's kind of cool. Ooh. About 10 years ago, another team tried the same technique using a 15,000-year-old mammoth mummy, but they were unsuccessful in stimulating cellular cellular activity from that specimen. So this is an older one, but they were they were successful in at least making it do something. Yeah. Um, and the fact that yucca cells were able to spring back into partial action is both an exciting and challenging development for scientists. Um, on one hand, some degree of cellular reactivation is clearly possible. Like, you can do it. We were able to do that. Yeah. But Yuka is also an exceptionally pristine specimen, and even her cells were not able to complete cell division, which is a major hurdle that scientists must clear if they want to accomplish, quote, de-extinction. So, like, it's cool that they were able to do it, but that it still shows that it's going to be way harder than just, like, finding a good specimen to, like, actually reanimate something like this. Pull up the video.
0: Like I don't know why, but I thought that their methodology was going to be to insert the DNA into like some other animal somehow, and then
1: yeah, and like like into like, an elephant or something. Yeah, and like have it, it give birth to it. yes, yeah. I mean that that maybe that's a different way of doing this. I I I do not know enough about this to be able to say what's actually a viable option. <laughs> um Let me show you this. So that's the mammoth on that side. And you see it do. Doop.
0: Oh.
1: Does some stuff. I guess it didn't. Yeah. Com- it doesn't complete the process, I guess. But. Wow. Like.
0: They reanimated cells. They
1: reanimated 28,000 year old, like 28,000 year old dead cells.
0: It's like Frankenstein. It really is. <laughs> like.
1: Even if it's Even if it, they're not doing much, like they still were able to reanimate them. To an extent. So wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) Some
0: pretty groundbreaking science right there. (laughs) Yeah. All right. It's time for breaking news.
1: All right.
0: The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly.
1: On the fly.
0: Ready, set, go! go. Okay, so I found some weather news on NPR um a bomb cyclone is thwacking the central u.s <laughs> is the headline they,
1: they used thwacking. they used
0: thwacking in the headline wow. of the story um so yeah by the time you listen to this if you're in an area affected by this you probably know about this but if you're not you may not know what a bomb cyclone is uh, apparently it's when a storm gets very intense very quickly Um, And it has other certain atmospheric going to say, but that's just...
1: (laughs) Just like a bad, quick storm. (laughs) (laughs) um,
0: Right now, there is such a storm in the central U.S. The powerful system is already bringing high winds, rain, and snow to an enormous chunk of the country, including the Rocky Mountains, the Plains, the Mississippi Valley, and the Great Lakes region. The National Weather Service has issued high wind and winter storm advisories for an area ranging from Colorado and New Mexico over to Nebraska and parts of Texas and up to South Dakota. So it's like a huge wow. cross-section of that is the large, U.S. right that now. That is
1: a large portion. <laughs>
0: um, this will be one of the strongest wind events in years for West Texas and Southeast New Mexico, warned the National Weather Service office, uh, with gusts up to 75 miles per hour. Um, Winds that powerful can make it impossible to drive safely, especially in tall vehicles such as trucks. Uh, The storm could also cause flooding as rain falls on accumulated snow and as rivers clogged with ice begin to rise. Unlike wind, flood risk can last days or even weeks as rivers crest. So, like, even though the storm is happening right now, there can still be a flood risk for, like, many days after this. So
1: that's not great.
0: Right. So. Ooh. A bomb cyclone. Bomb cyclone. (laughs)
1: That is a choice of a name. Uh,
0: It's very scary sounding. It's very scary sounding. In an area that is being reported, like, your area will be hit by a bomb cyclone. Like, what does that even mean?
1: Yeah. You better hope the broadcast doesn't cut out before they say something.
0: Yeah. Right? Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So I hope it doesn't, like, go too far east, because I think that Cleveland area is not in the range of it right now at least no. but
1: we have snow forecasted for this weekend i think okay but
0: but it's not going to be like in the heavy part I of it don't i don't think, think. it's going to be like that so hopefully it doesn't like move i don't know how these things work so hopefully right. <laughs> it doesn't like move east cuz i feel like weather patterns tend to like move east <laughs> mm-hmm. across the us so like i just hope it kind of stays over there at least but yeah and or dissipates quickly that yeah. would be ideal yes ideal for everyone <laughs>
1: Okay, I've got a real quick one that is also uh, St. Patrick's Day themed.
0: Oh, yeah, that's coming up.
1: And also gross. Um, Skyline Chili is celebrating St. Patrick's Day with, quote, the green way for one day only.
0: Oh, no. (laughs) What is this?
1: (laughs) Your your mood switched so quickly. (laughs) Um, St. Patrick's Day is right around the corner, and that means everything's turning green, including Skyline Chili. Uh To be more exact, the spaghetti noodles in Skyline's three, four, and five ways, which are apparently the names of their food. I've only been there one time. I was unimpressed. Um, But the noodles will be turning green to celebrate St. Patrick's Day for one day only this year on Sunday. Um, The spokesperson just says it's going to be there. (laughs) (laughs) That's their statement? No, they say more, but it's pretty much what I just said. Um, they, they (laughs) They don't really say anything to sell it more, I guess is what i'm saying and um, okay if you're wondering whether the green spaghetti noodles taste any different the answer is no it's just food so they're
0: gonna dye the noodles green yes here's what it looks like put the meat sauce on it okay that doesn't look appetizing no it does not not that their food looks appetizing anyway right
1: no my brain sees that and thinks the uh, the noodles are gonna taste minty
0: which would be disgusting which would also be disgusting Um,
1: This is just the regular level of disgusting that is Skyline Chili.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This episode not brought to you by Skyline Chili.
1: Decidedly not. That's all that there was in that story. I I figured I'd bring in something St. Patrick's Day themed.
0: I forgot about it, to be honest.
1: There's really not a lot.
0: I didn't see much news regarding that topic. Yeah, and I
1: don't think we could have made an entire episode out of St. Patrick's Day. Unless Don't we worry, we money. would
0: have if we found stuff. Exactly, we like themed episodes. We do so. love
1: themed episodes.
0: That didn't work out this time.
1: Plus, it would give me an excuse to make the uh, stripes and the logo all green.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we like making variations of the logo too. By yes. the
1: way, and, it's fun. and the theme song if yes. you haven't caught on. <laughs> yes. Anyway,
0: <laughs> all right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description.
1: You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And while you're there, maybe uh, maybe for a nice little St. Patrick's Day gift to us, you could leave a five star review. Yeah, that'd be that'd specifically be nice, uh, St. Patrick's Day gift. Specifically, yeah. five stars. Yeah, it's five Why try stars. It? The same number of stars as there are letters in the word "green." Happy St. Patrick's Day, and Ooh! you can also. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at at news. All right.
0: We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye.